You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. When you're smiling. Hey you, bubbly sparkling water is crisp, refreshing, and perfect for any occasion. Kind of like my voice, but in a can. No calories, no sweeteners, all smiles. Bubbly, crack a smile. This episode is brought to you by Google. Google's two-step verification was built to secure your account and help prevent cyber attacks, even if your password is compromised. That's why Google has made it easy to sign into your account with this additional layer of protection. Just one tap and you're in. Learn more at safety.google. Hello, movie lovers. Welcome to the Best Damn Movie Ladies Show here on the internet. This is your host, as always, from Movie Lovers Unite, John DeGorio. For today's podcast, I'm going to be talking about your next. Now, this is going to be my 31 Days of Horror review. So each day, I'm going to be picking a movie out of the hat that I actually enjoyed, that's actually horror-related, all the way up until the end of October, which is Halloween. So I'm going to be doing my 31 Days of that. I'm going to be getting uh, very sweaty with that. And then I'm going to be moving on to... For tonight's topic also, I'm going to be talking about movie reboots and remakes and how long does it is enough before they can actually start rebooting certain movies. So those are my two topics for tonight, and I hope you guys actually enjoy what I have to say. So with further ado, let's go on ahead and get into this thing. So your next is just a simple premise, and that's about the Davidson family, an upper-class family are ex- who are extremely wealthy but also estranged, and attempt to mend their broken family ties Aubrey, who's actually played by Barbara Crampton, and Paul Davison, who's played by Rob Morin, uh, decides to celebrate their wedding anniversary by inviting their four children, who later on gets murdered by people who are doing a home invasion. The ma- Let me tell you this. This is a simple premise, like I mentioned before, but what I like about this movie is the fact that it's just one of those movies where the scenes don't go away from each other or anything like that it's in one room per se because of the fact that it's just inside a house and the foundation is just actually there and I actually like what they act- were able to do with this movie and you can actually feel the tension build up you can actually feel the twists and turns with every camera angle and stuff like that another thing too is when you first m- go into this whole entire thing you really don't care about the family that's about to be murdered or anything everybody was pretty much one dimensional whenever you look at this film but this film was actually pretty good and then it also gives you the whole entire thing with Aubrey and let me just tell you this what Barbara Crampton did with that character is just phenomenal because of the fact that 
at first you don't really care about this character. You don't really feel like that she can actually carry her own movie or anything like that. There's no layers to her. There's actually nothing there. And you're thinking that she's actually going to get murdered. But she's actually the standout of this whole entire movie. And that's what makes you want to root for her. Because of the things that she was she did in this movie. For example, you know, this, these killers are breaking into, the ho- into their house. And she's trying to defend where she's at. She set up, she sets up traps for these killers and everything else. You're wondering if this woman is actually going to make it out alive and everything. And you know, you're on the edge of your seat the whole entire time. Like I mentioned before, there's twists and turns at every angle with this movie. And it's just perfectly laid out, perfectly well executed. And you know, like I said, she ends up laying out these traps for these four home invaders so she can kill them. And like I mentioned, it's actually fantastic. And then the camera angles are everything you want from a horror slasher film because of the fact that the way that it actually pans over to the killers and then the way that it actually pans back over to the main character. And yes, it's a little bit of shaky cam and stuff like that, but it also kind of gives you a little bit of a groundhouse kind of feel to it, the way it's actually shot. And this film, I'm going to be honest with you, it was actually a low-budget film but what they were able to do, the way they were able to captivate the whole entire thing, the way that they were able to bring out the character for the main characters is phenomenal because you're not even thinking that this character is even going to do anything. And when she does go through a whole entire thing of hacking these people and trying to get away from these people and everything else, you're rooting for her and stuff like that. And you know what? Like I said, this is such an underrated movie. Nobody hardly ever mentions your next or anything like that. I'm picky with certain slasher films, but when it comes down to your next, it still stands out on one of my favorite slasher films, even today. And, you know, like I said, by the time the climax comes in full circle and everything, the payoff is really good for a change. You're wind, you wind up shutting off your mo- the movie and everything. And this movie only clocks in at like 99 minutes. So really you're actually getting a good movie for 99 minutes, which is not bad because nowadays movies are like two and a half hours long. And by then, it's kind of drawn out sometimes. Sometimes the pacing is a little too slow for some people. And sometimes it's like, okay, I get it. It's scary. This is not doing me any anything at all. And when is the climax going to happen? But with this, the climax and everything else is very fast-paced. So is the movie itself. It's very fast-paced. There's nothing that really drags along in this movie. And I really enjoyed what they were able to do with this movie. And you're not going to believe this. This movie only cost $1 million to make. And it got a lot of buzz at the time at the independent film festivals. And then they decided to invest in advertising this movie and everything. And two years later, in 2013, the movie was released. It made $27 million on a million-dollar deal. And at that time, we don't... Let me tell you this. Our horror films that we're getting out today is a whole lot better than what we got a few year, uh, years ago. But let me just say this: the movie for the for during this time during 2013 was exceptional. I really enjoyed for what they actually did with this, and it made 27 million dollars on a one million dollar budget. It just goes to show that you don't have to put a lot into these horror films to make a good movie. And at that time too, it's like okay, you want to make a horror movie? Okay, we'll give you some money. Go on ahead, do what you do or whatever. And screw everything else because you're just going to make a horror film and we're not actually going to be caring about horror films that much. Now, let's fast forward to today. 
Now you have Blumhouse, who makes nothing but pretty much horror films, and they're knocking out of the park with their independent film projects and stuff like that, and they're able to captivate on everything else, and they know what they're trying to do. They know the whole entire layout of what they're doing with their independent horror film projects and everything, and Blumhouse is actually the place that you want to be if you're an independent film horror film uh, director or writer because Bloomhouse is able to actually give you those scary moments and slow build-ups and everything else and don't really rely on cheap jump scares there are a couple of bad movies that they've done but for every bad movie they actually did a good movie like I can actually recommend a lot of good movies that they have done over the period of time I can't recommend Happy Death Day or anything like that but I can recommend a couple of other movies too but I'm gonna get into that on my next episode that I'm going to be doing because it's actually going to be a Bloomhouse production movie that I'm actually going to recommend for the 31 Days of Horror. So you guys are going to have to stick around for that. But as far as this movie goes, I like it. I love it. I can't get enough of it. I wish I could actually buy this out on Blu-ray right now, but it's, I know it's going to be kind of hard for anyone to actually get their hands on it, but it's actually available on Amazon for like 10 bucks. I might actually buy it this week and actually watch it again because of the fact that it still stands out to me as a slasher movie. And I still think about that movie from time to time. And I really enjoy watching this slasher movie and wondering if this woman is actually going to make it out of this house alive or if these home invaders are going to kill her. But anyways, that's my whole entire take on your next. As far as movie reboots and remakes and how long does it take uh, is enough before they can start rebooting certain movies. Let's look at some of the stuff that I actually researched and stuff like that. So when you look at certain movies today, they are either getting remade or rebooted, but how long does a studio have to wait in order to reboot something or remake something? Okay, for example, Spider-Man 3, the last movie for Spider-Man 3 was back in 2007. Five years later, it was rebooted to The Amazing Spider-Man. After the second Amazing Spider-Man field, at the box office, which came out in 2014, two day, two two years later, that's when we wind up getting uh, a reboot of Spider-Man, but in a Civil War MCU movie instead, and that's actually the Captain America Civil War movie. But if it wasn't for the Sony hack, if it wasn't for that happening, Spider-Man wouldn't be in the MCU today because of the simple fact that. With North Korea and with the interview, what Sony was trying to do was push out this movie. North Korea went on ahead and threatened the United States by saying, well, if you release this, there's going to be an attack on the U.S. So they didn't go ahead and do it. But there's a lot of leaked information that North Korea actually did. And now they were actually trying to think of different ways to actually captivate on their franchise on how to do different things with their franchise and they were even talking about like an anime movie. They were talking about different types of things for the franchise. And well, anyways, they reached out to Marvel Disney and basically they broke out a deal. And that's how this whole entire Marvel Disney deal came about. They played in the same sandbox with Marvel Disney and they were able to get the, their Spider-Man movie going because of the fact that because of the whole entire Sony hack and everything that happened. But they also Sony at that time didn't know its own universe, didn't know what they were doing with their own franchise. And now I believe they actually do, considering the fact you actually have the Spider-Verse movie that came out and that actually did fantastic. You have the Venom movie that came out that did very well. They're two for two right now whenever you build, they're building up their Spider-Man movies, uh, worlds and stuff like that when you think about it. But anyways, when 
after all that happened, you know, you wind up having a new Spider-Man, Tom Holland, that took the mantle after two years later, after Andrew Garfield uh, was done with the whole entire Spider-Man franchise with The Amazing Spider-Man. Now, another thing that we have to actually think about is movies that came out in the 1990s, like 1994, when we had the Mortal Kombat movie, after 25 years, if you actually look at each movie that I'm mentioning, there's actually a gap when certain movies were actually rebooted. Either it was in the two-year mark, five-year mark, or a 20-year mark. And usually, that's whenever a studio will actually say, hey, look, let's go ahead and reboot this thing. Maybe we can actually make something better. Maybe we can actually re-envision some of the stuff that actually happened in in certain movies and we can make it different and a whole lot more fresh for people and enjoyable for people we can get rid of that 90s dialogue that whole entire special effects we can actually do something a little bit different that we haven't been able to do before but anyways 25 years later mortal kombat is actually getting a remake treatment with james wan producing and simon mccow directing this movie and i'm also here's another thing too i actually listened to how excited the director which is Simon McCowd was actually excited about remaking this movie, about how he revisioned how Mortal Kombat is supposed to be, how he's actually giving layers to these characters, how he's developing these characters, how much he cares about these characters, and also James Wan adding a little bit of horror flavor to the element of Mortal Kombat and adding in a lot more plot plot to these to this whole entire movie. And it actually makes me excited to see this reboot and stuff like that because of the fact that, let's just be honest, 20, 25 years later, those special effects, that cheesy dialogue just doesn't flow well like it did back in the 90s or anything like that. And I even have a hard time actually watching the old school Mortal Kombat movie. And I was one of those kids that actually went into the theater and watched the very first Mortal Kombat movie, being all excited with my friends. And now I'm looking back on it. And the soundtrack is cool. I still love the soundtrack, but as far as the special effects go and stuff like that, it just doesn't flow well. It doesn't have the same feel to it that I would like for it to actually have now with today's special effects. And they can actually do something different. I'm all for a reboot of something. As long as they can do something new, something fresh, I'm totally fine with it. But if it's the same copy and paste thing that we're actually going to wear they're going to do the same thing again. I'm not all for it. That's the difference between remakes and reboots. Remakes is just copy and paste. You don't really do a lot. Same uh, paint by your numbers type of feel to it. And then reboots, you can go on hand, completely do redo everything. And there's certain movies that actually does it well. You actually have the same Raimi uh, Evil Dead remake that was actually good. That I actually liked the remake of that. I like the remake of... Uh, so, like, a couple of other remakes that I, that was out there and everything. And I'm actually going to get to those movies, too. But I don't want to spoil anything for my 31 days and give you guys a little too much information on what I like for reboots and stuff like that. But Sam Raimi's reboot for or remake of, of that one movie is actually really good. So, anyways, then you also have to look at this, too. Another example of reboots getting rebooted is Candyman. Now, believe it or not, Candyman actually had three movies in the franchise. And that was in 1999. And it's hard to believe it's been that long since that movie has actually been made, which is like 20 years ago. And now it's getting a remake. And Jordan Peele is actually rebooting this thing. And you even have the original actor that's actually playing Candyman 
is going to be in the movie too. And now they're saying that there's actually being a rumor being reported that there's going to be two Candyman movies in the movie. I don't really like that idea. I just want the one Candyman, the one that we all know and love. But hey, if they're doing it like that, I want to see how how they do it on a trailer before I actually judge it. But as far as paper goes, I'm not sold on that idea. But the fact that they're even trying to do something new, something fresh... I can be a little bit more open-minded to the fact that they want to do something different. And, like I said, 20 years ago was, like, the last Candyman movie that actually came out. And I think that they can act, Jordan Peele can actually add a little bit more of his little flavor to it to make it good. Make it stand out on its own. And also, too, you know, you can't go any, with, any wrong with having the original Candyman in there. And I hope he's just not in there for a cameo. I'm hoping that he's actually going to be Candyman. But it's hard to say because of the fact that when they reboot something, they want to go ahead and have their own actor in there instead of having the original actor playing this character. But we're just going to have to wait and see how that goes. But I'm excited about this. And like I said, we can actually notice like some gaps between the 10-year uh, marker, 20-year marker, 2-year marker. But the one that stands out to me the most of all this is, like I said, there's the two-year marker thing that actually stands out to me, and that is the Saw franchise. When you look at the Saw franchise as a whole, it always dominated on Halloween. It always crushed over and over again. That's, that whole entire thing belonged to Saw on Halloween. I went to every single Saw movie. I watched every single Saw movie. It's just like going, like experiencing a whole entire jigsaw puzzle, and you're trying to pu- put these puzzles together. And that's what I loved about the Saw movies. Yes, some after the first one, it was pretty much like a gore fest and stuff like that. And I wanted to see how this thing was going to end because I want some closure whenever I'm watching a certain franchise. I can't just stop watching something. I have to actually have a little bit of closure on how it's going to actually end. But anyways, two years later, 2017, well, in 2017, they made one more movie and then... Now, they're actually remaking this movie. Uh, Well, I'm sorry. Uh, uh, Let me go on and rephrase this. In 2017, they actually made the last Saw movie. And then, before that, it was in 2010 when we got, like, the last Saw movie, which was, like, Saw 7. And now we're going to have to fast-forward this thing down to, like, two years later, where Chris Rock announced that he's actually rebooting the franchise. And it's kind of interesting to see a comedian actually doing a horror film, even though Jordan Peele is also a comedian. But comedians are always the type of people that actually have, like, really dark humor, really dark souls, and they actually put a lot of heart and effort into what they're trying to do. So seeing Chris Rock being attached to this thing is actually going to be pretty interesting to see how they're going to do it. But it's kind of weird to see like a two-year marker after the 2000, once 2017 rolled around with one last Saw movie, and now they're rebooting it. That's kind of odd, because usually they don't wait a two-year, two years. They usually wait a long period of time before they let the dust settle, and then they reboot it. But it's kind of weird seeing a movie that's actually two years later being rebooted, and a franchise being rebooted. But, hey, everything happens for a reason. We're just going to have to find out if this thing is actually going to be good or not. But I'm all for the fact that, you know, Chris Rock is going to be directing this whole entire thing and rebooting this franchise and I'm hoping that Coben Bell is going to be attached to this because I actually liked him as John Kramer as Jigsaw because I think that he actually was able to give 
Jigsaw a creep, uh, some creepiness to that character and some layers to that character and make you feel a little bit charismatic towards that character because of the things he went through. Yes, it was messed up and jacked up on the way he actually did things. But in a sense, with the writing and everything, you can actually sympathize with him just a little bit by putting these people's lives in danger because of the things that they've done or whatever is just crazy on how he actually acted out on that. But anyways, tell me what guys what you guys think. Did you guys like your next? Tell me what you think about that. What do you think about these ideas about the reboots and how long they should actually be? I, I'm kind of curious to know. Don't forget, too, that I'm actually going to be talking about these movies coming all the way up until Halloween. Because this is going to be my whole entire horror, horror movie stuff that I'm going to be talking about. Um, tomorrow, I'm actually going to be talking about uh, Bloomhouse movie that I actually mentioned that I actually liked. So, anyways, don't forget to go on ahead, send me a voicemail, tell me what you guys think. Also, too, I would like to actually know what you guys actually, what you guys think about the your next, send me a voicemail for that. And don't forget to share this among, this podcast among other people, and until next time, bye-bye.